And welcome back to the Martial Arts Mania Podcast. I'm AJ. And I'm Gavin. Hello. How's it going? It's been a while. It's It's been a minute. So yes, sorry, loyal listeners. Uh, we missed last week. Long story short, I've started a new job. And so it was a little all over the place in terms of my start date, uh, this and that. So for example, I was supposed to start uh, what would have been the 23rd, I think was the date. Yes, the 23rd. And then uh, City of Fresno fell behind getting my company's new employees fingerprinted. So then we're just sitting, getting paid to sit at home, which was nice. But then out of nowhere, like one of the times we were going to record, I got called in to go do the fingerprinting with three hours notice. And then I was it was supposed to take a week to like process, only took 36 hours. So then I also, then I got called into work for the first day early. And then, yeah, so it's just been all over the place. And then I started the new job, uh, which has been great so far, but just, you know, navigating my new schedule with Gavin, because we used to do a lot of afternoon recording, which now we can't because uh, uh, pretty much I'm like an after school teacher. So, you know, it's like a regular school teacher that goes, I guess, from what, like 8.15 to 2 in the afternoon or you know, three, depending on the grade level, I just do an entire five blunt, five hour block, like from, you know, 1245 to 545, pretty much. So afternoons are now out of the question. So we're figuring out what time's gonna work best for us, not to mention the holidays and, you know, this and that, but hopefully we won't be skipping any more weeks. Hopefully. So that's, that's a rundown of why it's, it's been a minute. And I was afraid we were going to miss this week too. I was like, oh no, we can't do that. We can't do that. But luckily here we are on a Tuesday morning, I literally just got back from the gym right when I had texted you. Uh, I am drinking my protein shake, didn't even have time to shower yet, and uh, hopefully I can get this video up this week, but if you notice my sticker on Ooh, my- yeah. yeah. Very nice. Martial Arts Mania podcast sticker on my uh, Stanley cup. I think this is Stanley. I don't know what brand it is. Anywho- uh, well, Whatever brand it is, it just got better. It just got a whole heck of a lot better. How are you, good sir? I'm doing well, as we had discussed, just uh, dealing with maybe a couple of seasonal allergies. So I've got tea, I've got uh, halls, just in case I uh, feel like a little cough coming on. Yeah, you so, know, the, the funny part is my job, as I mentioned, I'm an after-school reading teacher. Uh, so I, I mean, reading intervention specialist, so I help kids that are struggling learning how to read. Uh, and definitely the, the change in the seasons, and we had rain out of nowhere, Uh in Fresno, it was yesterday morning and then yesterday evening. And so all the, you know, so many sniffling little kids and they all want to give you high fives and hugs. And you're just like, oh my gosh, so many germs. So I've just been, luckily I have a really good vitamin uh, stack I do every day and I stay on top of. And then obviously I eat a ton of uh, fruits and greens, but I'm also doing my tea and honey as I was telling Gavin before this. And then uh, just plenty of sleep and trying to keep that immune system strong. Yeah, you definitely have to. Particularly, this is your first time back on a regular basis in a public school with youth. I mean, that is that's the incubation field yeah. for. Hey, for, uh, I made it through. Every, I made it through last of, week. Made it that's through last good. week. So yeah, you know. Uh, well, I think I think starting this at this point in the year as well, you've kind of missed that first right. week back. Yeah, and that I mean, anybody that has family or friends with kids knows it's always that first week or two back where it's like. Oh my, all your kids are sick on the first week? It's like, oh yeah, because all the other kids are sick and they've, you know, haven't been around each other. And yeah, the joys of uh germs. So sounds like a good book. It sounds like a good book indeed. Uh let's get into this episode. We are uh a, not a rushed, kind of rushed today. We're doing one of our classic rushed episode themes. Uh 
And yeah, so anything new for you, martial arts or training wise? You were telling me about something that you did this weekend, which is pretty yes, yes. Uh, cool. <clears throat> I, I ran a, a 5K this weekend. <coughs> um, came in first in my book because it's all about the competition. I did not come in first for the record. <laughs> but I call out anybody who was ahead of me. Next 5K. Yeah. Uh, no, it was a lot of fun. Uh, it was uh, through Pacific Palisades or Rancho Cucamonga. Not Rancho Cucamonga. Rancho, <laughs> Rancho Palos Verdes. Okay, got it. Got it. Uh, as a lot of horses, uh, kind of soft ground, uphill, downhill. The soft ground, you know, it makes uh, the run a little harder. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, yeah, the horses are beautiful. Uh, I will say there was a moment where I'm like, am I almost done? And then I'm like, I'm seeing the same horses again. And I'm like, oh, this is the this is that kind of loop because I I didn't I knew nothing about the the route I just showed up and there were a few team members missing so I'm like okay I'll jump in. Uh, Long story short, this. Gavin was not supposed to be running the five. No, he was supposed to be there for moral support. For moral support, but I did have a very nice reward meal afterwards. Uh, Kings Hawaiian. Oh yeah. Uh, so Kings Hawaiian. For those that don't know, so. <clears throat> Most people know King's Hawaiian is like the rolls that you can buy in the grocery store, the sweet rolls. Uh, people love them. People use them for all sorts of different things. They have an actual restaurant location mm. in Hawthorne. Now, they technically have like two. One of them's just kind of a straight bakery because I remember yes. I did Google Maps to the wrong one one time. Yes. But then they have a straight up ginormous restaurant, which is also a bakery where they sell all the rolls and then like specialty flavor rolls that you can't buy in stores. Then they also have a separate bakery where they do a ton of sweets and donuts and oh my God. Then they have the full on restaurant where they do a ton of different types of Hawaiian food. They do both lunch and dinner style food and breakfast all day long. So Gavin sent me the picture of his food. Gavin and I have been there together before. So, yes. and Gavin and I are big fans of Hawaiian food as we all know. And yeah, it looked... It looked bomb, my friend. Well, it I was. was. I, I was jealous. I, I will say that uh, my run, my 5K pales in comparison because podcast friend, podcast listener, personal friend, James finished That's the right. New York Marathon this uh, same day. Yep. <laughs> well, much same. longer. Much yeah. longer than my race. As I was going to say, as you feel the littlest bit accomplished and James like, hold my beer yeah. or, or hold my Kahlua pork. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well I had to send him a package of uh, King's Hawaiian Brit as, as uh, an award. So there you can go. Understand what excellent what, I love what it. it means to load carbs after a run like that. Yeah, congratulations, James. Congratulations, you. Uh, yeah. So, any martial arts movie news? You know, honestly, I had a few good ones, didn't write them down, and now I forgot. So, so uh, were were we able to confirm about that one piece of news? Yes, yes. Okay. So it's pretty much. I mean, I've seen it on so many different sources now, and it, it appears that Pat E. Johnson, the famous uh, fight stunt coordinator, martial artist, has passed away. I believe he was about 83 or 78. I don't know why those two numbers stuck in my head, but he had been battling some health issues because just like two or three weeks ago, whoever manages his social media, I believe it's his adopted son, <clears throat> had made a statement about how, uh, you know, I, I want to say he was suffering from some form of dementia, maybe, or Alzheimer's, uh, something along those lines, but how they were going to do a line of T-shirts to, you know, kind of raise money and so forth. But it appears he has passed away, uh, which is very unfortunate, very sad. So our thoughts are with his friends and family at this point in time. Uh, but yeah, beyond that, other martial arts movie news. Uh, not sure if I have any real martial arts movie news. Uh 
thinking, not really. But there was a bunch of great fights this weekend uh, in terms of kickboxing. We had one championship, had a great uh, kickboxing world title fight between Jonathan Haggerty and uh, I think it's Fabricio Andrade, uh, which was great. Uh, Haggerty won via knockout in the second round. Uh, there was a glory card, which I, I haven't been able to watch that one yet because I couldn't watch it live because I was at the Fresno State football game. Ooh, ooh, go dogs. Uh, which was Rico Verhoeven defending his heavyweight title uh, coming back, I think, after two years because he had a serious injury. And apparently it was just easy work. He just... And it, it, he was fighting the interim champ that had got the interim belt while he was out and just apparently just it was easy work, which is crazy because Rico is now like undefeated in 10 years and he was talking about retiring because of the injury and other stuff going on. But I mean, he's just still so dominant, but he's also so young still because I believe he's like three or four years younger than me. So early 30s, I'm wow. not sure because, you know, he started fighting pro at like 18. But <clears> and then the other fight was uh, Sanchai versus Bokal, you know, considered two of the greatest of all time fighting. uh for the bare knuckle championship, like so, pretty much bare knuckle Muay Thai rules. Uh, Bolkow ha- easily won, but Bolkow is like two weight classes bigger than Sanchai. So I mean, but it was definitely a real fight. A lot of people thought because they're friends, they were gonna like it was a kind of a fix, but no, it was a real fight. Bolkow definitely did some damage to Sanchai, and Sanchai stuck with it all five rounds. But you could tell he was hurting at the end, and uh, they had a good first round, but by the second round, it was just Bolkow's size and power just. Dominated. So, yep, good weekend of fights uh, in terms of kickboxing. I believe there was also some MMA fights. Uh, I There was a UFC card in Brazil, I believe. I didn't get the chance to watch it. But, yeah. So, anyways, uh, any movie quotes for me today? I have two because we've had two weeks off. Hmm. And think comfortable. That okay. is your hint. These, these would be quotes from our comfort realm, whether they've okay. already made the list or will make a future list. Okay. Not only do you have no witnesses, but everyone thinks you saved the president. No retreat, no surrender three, Blood Brothers. Yes, very ah, good. Very good. Yeah, I was like, okay, I'm not I I've been bad recently. I've been not getting I've been close in the right realm, but no, this one I was yeah, that's I like it. Good call, good call. That's definitely been on my list before. Yes. Okay, next one. Uh, I might even try an accent, but okay. we know when I try this accent, it usually goes haywire. Look at me. Oh, it's already gone haywire. I'll just read the quote. <laughs> Look at me. You of all people should know, I would never in my life wear black silk underwear. Double impact. That, that, was, yeah. a, that was a good one. I like it. You know, it wasn't the worst Belgium accent. Yeah, it, 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 it was on the border of Belgium, north of Belgium, north and east of Belgium. North and east and west. And South. Yeah. Yeah. Just not Belgium. Just not Belgium. (laughs) Cool. Great. So, yeah, we are going into our fifth volume of Kung Fu Comfort Films. Once again, these are in no particular order. And these are films that Gavin and I go back to time and time again to watch. We can put them on at any time. Uh, Sometimes it's just background noise. Sometimes it's just we need to pick me up. Sometimes we just want to watch some Kung Fu. And it's something that we don't mind starting and not finishing. Or something that we do want to start and finish all the way through. Typically for my list, I, I try to do ones that we haven't necessarily talked about before or I plan on talking about, like single episodes. But that's not always the case, and it doesn't have to be. And sometimes these are actually, you know, phenomenal films that I always do give the respect to sit down and watch all the way through. Sometimes not. But, uh, yeah, 
we love talking about these kind of films. There's a lot of the nostalgia factor that we'll get into. And once again, I pick five at no particular order. I'll just look down at my list and choose which one I want to talk about first. But yeah, these are films that we love to watch pretty much anytime, any place. And as I said, those are kind of the caveats I set for when I'm picking my entries. You know, if I'm like, oh, well, we've talked about this episode before, so maybe I'm not going to pick it. Uh, even though I, I have once or twice before, maybe. Or, oh, I want to talk about this one day, so I'm not going to talk about it right now. But yeah, this is, uh, and this was the first list that was a little bit difficult for me to put together because I put it put it together at a different location, not with, you know, my Blu-rays all behind me and everything. And I was just thinking off the top of my head and I was thinking, I was like, wait, have I done that one before? Would go back and look. I'm like, darn, I have. So this was one of the first ones that took me uh, a minute to make my list. Since then, I've thought of a lot more, but yeah. No, I, I'm in the same boat as you. Um, I was really trying to, because in the past I would sort of edit away because there are films we were going to talk about, wanted to talk about. Um, and so this time I just wanted to sit down and make a list uh, from my heart. And, you know, having the allergy this weekend helped me kind of uh, go back. I don't know much. I, I know we talked about before the podcast, I had a slight allergy, uh, hay fever, what have you. Um, so I was starting to think, what movie would I want to put on right now? Because sometimes that's what comfort films are for, for that period where you're not mm-hmm. feeling great and you want a little pick-me-up. Uh, and then I went back and sort of looked at, well, have we talked about it? Has it been on our list? Uh, so we'll see. We'll see how this how this list pans out. But I did take a different approach. Same as you. I think being volume five, I wanted to dig a little deeper into, into like comfort – Food is like, hey, when you're not feeling great, this is the food you want to eat. So that's where that's where I kind of went with it this time around. I like that. I like that. That's that's a, that's good. Uh, cool. So how about you go first? Pick one of your okay. five films. Okay. Uh, my first film that I'm picking today is maybe on the cusp of a, of a martial art film, but I'm going with Mr. Vampire, the original part one. Okay. Totally, totally counts. I mean, just the finale alone. Yeah. And the fact that it's a classic Golden Harvest era film, you know, Chin Siu Ho, Lam Ching Ying. Uh, yeah, definitely. Oh, and Yuen Wa, of course. Uh, yes. Uh, looking the best he's ever looked. <laughs> well, you know, even even the comedy sequences uh, with, with Yuen Wa and uh, Ricky, Ricky Hui. Yes. Uh, there is phenomenal comedic timing within that. Now, I, I almost... Full disclosure, I almost went with Mr. Vampire 2 because there is more martial arts because of Yoon Biao's presence. Right. And there's that, <laughs> pardon me, that middle sequence. But <coughs> I'm, I'm keeping it together. Uh, but this film is this film is good from start to finish. It's consistent. Agreed. The comedy's the comedy's right in tone. The the action is right in tone. The the mysticism of of uh, of the vampire hunter and the tamer, the vampire tamer, I guess we would kind of call him, uh, just works so well. And you know what? I remember for uh, the first time I saw this was uh, on videotape in Japan, rented it from Popeye Video, Mr. Vampire, and just popped it in, loved it, didn't, had no idea about the whole subgenre of vampire ah, zombie. So this was your intro to the juncture, uh, like hopping. Yes. Ah. Yes. And of course, there are other great films in this genre, Encounters of the Spooky Kind, one and two, all the other Mr. Vampires, Magic Cop, 
but there's something very special about this one, and I can go back and pop this in anytime. Uh, full dis- again, second full disclosure of this film. Uh, first time I saw it was in Cantonese with Japanese subtitles. Yeah. So while it was an introduction to the genre, I and I didn't understand completely, I definitely also had a major language barrier. And I'm like, I had to watch it like two or three times just to kind of get the all the details of uh, the story. But, you know, it, it's also a very broad comedy. So it makes you don't need the subtitles to be in your own language to enjoy it. Well, there you go. Excellent. And then uh, recently this summer, I picked up, I believe it was 88 Films' new release of Magic Cop, which Gavin mm-hmm. and I walked together and enjoyed. But then when I, I got back, I realized, wait a minute, I need to rewatch the original run of Mr. Vampires because I bought the Fortune Star release of it, I think when I was in high school, which had the new English dub, which wasn't as good. And I, I just kind of couldn't get into the film. I watched it. I was like, uh, and I honestly didn't remember it at all. So, uh, excuse me. Uh, back when I went last went to Hong Kong in 2019, I always try to pick up movies if I can, and I picked up the box set of Mr. Vampire 1 through 5. The problem is my uh, DVD player, right? uh, yeah, it was a DVD player, not Blu-ray, from China that was non-region coded, mm-hmm. uh, had broken, and so I had nothing to watch this uh, these five DVDs on for the last like four years. And then I realized when I got back, I was like, wait a minute. I now have a region-free Blu-ray player. I can watch these DVDs. So I popped in number one. Uh, and I, I know 88 Films, I believe, or Eureka has re-released it now. Uh, Mr. Vampire, I think, one and two. I, I haven't picked those up yet but because I have this box set already. And so I rewatched number one. I've texted Gavin how much I enjoyed it, especially the finale. And you are 100% correct. It is so much more of a consistent film than, say, number two, which has its moments. But I also struggled to kind of get through during certain parts. Like yeah. Even that amazing middle sequence with you and Bial in the slow motion, which starts off fantastic, should end about 10 minutes earlier than it does, for, in my personal opinion. So it just drags on. But I, I think number one is a great choice. It's definitely a martial arts film. Uh, everyone should check it out. The finale is fantastic. It's not going to be your straightforward like kung fu film if you're looking for that. But definitely a lot of great comedic gags. Uh, definitely local Hong Kong style humor, but also not as local as some other ones. So you can enjoy it, even if that's not your particularly favorite genre. There's a lot to be said for the Hui brothers and their impact in Hong Kong cinema. And also, I think globally, because their humor has been able to translate, which is very, which is kind of, Which you might not believe at first, because Michael Hui, the oldest brother of uh, of the Hui brothers, is so much about the dialogue and the writing and the and the puns. But Ricky Hui, in particular, who's in this film, is so good a, a performer of of physical comedy and visual comedy that right. I, I think that localized humor broadens. One of my favorite scenes in in comedy film. I'm gonna yes. What if you pushed me to say one of my favorite scenes in comedy film actually comes from Mr. Vampire, and it's the, so in 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 these vampire films, uh, they know they don't see you, they can sense your breathing. Right. So if you breathe, then they know where you are. There's a scene where he's in the closet. 
with the damsel in distress. Oh, that's true. And he has his great uh, tool to help the vampire uh, not know where he is. It's this long bamboo stick where they breathe out of and they're breathing, taking turns breathing back and forth. And Ricky Hui is like holding his breath so long that he finally gets the bamboo stick to exhale from. And the sheer joy he has on his face as he exhales, he closes. It's like he's drinking a cool glass of water in the mm. desert. And then, and then of course, Yunwa with his hands flips and like hits the, <laughs> hits the stick. That's right. And yeah. of course he has like this, you know, this round bruise around his mouth and, and then the fear that comes to his face right afterwards. So yes, Mr. Vampire is definitely an absolute comfort film for me. Okay, excellent. I love it. All right, so time for my first entry. I am picking the Bruceploitation classic Dynamo with mm. Bruce Lai, which uh, is definitely one of, uh, you know, my top all-time Bruceploitation films of Bruce Lai's filmography. It's it's in probably, it's the top three for me, uh, definitely top five, if I, if I, in case I'm forgetting any, but Dynamo, it's a great one. It was, you know, 1978, a little bit later. Uh, and it's this one's definitely Bruce Bloitation, but it also has a lot of commentary on the Bruce Bloitation genre. So it's very self-reflexive because pretty much Bruce Lai is kind of playing a, a fictionalized version almost of himself. Uh, a guy that's picked from obscurity to become the next like Bruce Lee. Uh, once again, this one does use real life footage from his funeral. So you know, because it starts off with Kung Fu Superstar Bruce Lee has passed away at <laughs> age 33, you know, and uh, it's pretty much these film producers are looking for the next uh, Bruce Lee. Uh, Bruce Lee plays a taxi driver who's also a Kung Fu expert, gets seen by a producer, you know, and so it also goes over a lot of the corruption in the industry and a corruption within this specific genre itself, uh, or you maybe might say subgenre of Bruce Plotation. So, the, the fact that it's so self-reflexive and a commentary on the genre itself is pretty cool. Uh, there's a lot of, you know, we, you call intertextuality uh, of, you know, and direct references and footage from other Kung Fu films. Uh, and the same sort of theme would be explored into much greater detail in Bruce Lai's final film, his real kind of final film, The Chinese Stuntman. Uh, but this film in particular is... Still just a lot of fun, a lot of great fight scenes, a lot of kung fu. Uh, it was the UN clan that did the choreography. So you've got guys behind the camera like Yuan Wuping and all of them doing the action. And the nice part is the now remastered version uh, that Michael Worth helped release from Pearl River Films uh, is just such a beautiful copy. And seeing it so crisp and clean for the first time. I think I mentioned this once on a previous episode. You also uh, actually see just... I mean, you, you always knew how good a shape Bruce Lai was in. Uh, he didn't have, say, like the same muscle mass as a Dragon Lee or, you know, but uh, in this film, because it's remastered and you can see the colors and the tone better, you actually see what great shape he's in. Uh, his physicality is right kind of at its peak in this one. So some of the the choreography is just a step above and beyond of not just the Bruce Bloitation genre, but other films at that time. Fight scenes galore, so you don't have to worry about whether you're getting enough action. They actually take a fight scene from another Bruce Bloitation film. It's one of the weirder sequences in the film where he's kind of having like a dream or a uh, sequence. And they take uh, a, a scene from, I believe, the Shaw Brothers Bruce Lee biopic they did with Danny Lee. I I'm not 100% on that one. No, is it that? I'm not sure. But 
anyway, this, so that's kind of random, but hey, another fight scene, cool. Uh, yeah, so overall, just a great, fun Bruceploitation film, a ton of great fight scenes. So it's one I can just put on and watch and enjoy, especially because I'm such a Bruce Lye fan. Uh, and yeah, I know not everybody loves the Bruceploitation genre. Totally respect that, especially hardcore Bruce Lee fans. I myself quite enjoy it. Not all of it. You know, I'm, I'm very outspoken on the ones I like and don't like, but Bruce Lai is, is my guy, man. Uh, well, he's, he's one of my top Kung Fu stars of all time. And so this is one of his top films. And a great way to get to know Bruce Lai, of course. And uh, and this subgenre a little better is is the, the great film that we just saw, the documentary, Clones. Enter the Clones. Enter the Clones. Thank you. I knew it. Yes. So exactly. And uh, yeah, so for actually, that's a great point. If you are not familiar with the Bruceploitation genre or you've been afraid to jump into it, Dynamo is a great one because it's not it's not what I'd call like a soft Bruceploitation where it just stars one of the guys and there really isn't much Bruceploitation in it. It's not one of the hardcore, like over the top ones, like the Clones of Bruce Lee. Uh, this one is definitely a middle ground of being a, still a great kung fu film, but having a lot of Bruce exploitation in it. Uh, and you, know, and you some, probably and you probably wouldn't have the Yuan clan doing a lot of the films within the the umbrella of the Bruce Bruce Lee Bruce exploitation uh, subgenre. So this is this is kind of a, a nice a really nice intersection. Is a great selection as well yes agreed and as i said a lot of times in bruceploitation genre you'd have talented performers not the best choreography this and that you know or really gimmicky stuff that would take away from the fights or just trying to be bruce lee too much so in this one bruce lai is not trying to be bruce lee in terms of his you know uh skill set or his, the mannerisms in some of the his earlier ones and like especially the biopics he did yeah he was trying to copy him uh bruce lay was always trying to copy him dragon lee was always doing this over the top impersonation by this point bruce lay had kind of come into his own as his own sort of kung fu star and he is not trying to impersonate bruce lee in the mannerisms and even the style on screen i mean Bruce Lai's ultimate objective, as we saw in that documentary, was he always really wanted to do a proper display of Jeet Kune Do on screen, which he felt he never got to do, or a film kind of about Jeet Kune Do. But here, he has a great dynamic style. Pretty much, if I had to explain it, you know, he does a lot of Taekwondo-style kicking. He uses, you know, a lot of kind of Wing Chun and boxing. But yeah, just overall, great film. Highly recommended. Okay, your number two entry. My number two entry, vacillating highly between whether I'm picking part one or two, but you know what? I watched part two more and the videotape broke. So we've talked about it very early on in the show. Rage and Honor 2. Ooh, good choice. Good Rage choice. Rage and De Honor 2. Definitely a comfort <clears throat> film. And real quick side note, I'm not sure if it's still on there. Amazon Prime had a copy of it uh, through Prime, not like one of the commercial streaming ones they do. And I remember the first time I watched it, it was a good copy. I went back to watch again because it's also a comfort film for me. And it was a really like distorted, uh, formatted version of it. It was like too small for the screen, and so it was blown up and blurry. Oh. I was like, "What the heck, Prime?" So, yeah, if you if you find it on Prime and you're watching and being like, "This movie doesn't," you know, try to rent it somewhere or or find a better copy of it. I'd lend you my videotape, but but it's it broke. broken. Yeah. Uh, no, absolutely fun film. We've talked about this film before, but it's 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 almost the perfect balance. Of Richard Norton and Cynthia Rothrock, and they have had a few films together. But I love the balance chem of chemistry on on screen, screen time as well. Patrick Muldoon as the 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 friend, 
the befriended son of a rich banker uh, who turns out to be spoiler alert. It came out in the '90s, so you should know this by now. Uh, he's behind, he's the mastermind behind the main bad gang, which is trying to take out the initial bad gang run by Boontao. Uh, just a, just. Just and for a lot pe- of real fun. quick, for people that don't know, Patrick Muldoon, you'd probably best remember him from Starship Troopers. That was kind of one of his biggest uh, film roles. It, yeah, and also yeah, Melrose Place and, and Starship Troopers. Yeah. It, gr- gr- he has great screen presence as well. Everybody has very good screen presence. Uh, Franz Traubaum, if I'm pronouncing his name correctly, portrays Boontao wonderfully. And then there's Ron Verican. Yeah, oh, great fight sequences. And of course, there's the great training sequence and probably the best example of Sanshin Kata on film ever shot. Beautiful lighting. Thank you, Aaron Norris, for shooting that scene. Aaron Norris, right? Aaron Guy Norris? Norris. Guy, Guy Norris. I was about to say, I was like, yeah, wrong. Guy wrong. Norris, who did the right. who did the action, a lot of the second unit stuff for uh I'm gonna go I, I'm gonna if I make a mistake, I'll correct it next week. But I think for the Mad Max films. Oh, okay. Yeah. I, was, I thought you were gonna say for Walker. I was like, yeah, oh, no, 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 no. No relation to the, that Norris family. But I think you might be right with that one. So uh yeah, you great. Think? Yeah, you think. Uh great choice, fan. Thank uh, you very much. I, I love that film as well. As I think I mentioned before, I believe I saw that one first, actually. It played a lot on Showtime while I was in high school. And uh, definitely watched that at my dad's house a few times. My dad was also a big fan of Cynthia Rothrock for obvious reasons. Uh, so he would, you know, anytime, that scorpion kick. Yeah, of course. Yeah. So anytime a Cynthia Rothrock film was on, he would stop, maybe sit down with me for a while, watch the film, even though he was I mean, he loved a good movie. He loved action movies. He loved the Bond films. Uh, and, you know, he enjoyed obviously being interested in what we were interested in. But it was really easy to get him to sit and watch a Cynthia Rothrock film uh with me uh and so yeah that one definitely is my preferred of the two even though the first one is much more of a solid film and features our sensei peter sugarfoot cunningham but number two a lot of great action you mentioned it the training sequences uh richard norton just has charisma for days cynthia rothrock is always solid and patrick muldoon especially once you get the twist and you see he's the bad guy man he just plays a great sociopath even though it's only for a short part of the film he does it quite well yes and you know what's what's interesting is there's blood in this film you there there was a time when when these straight to video films had to had to uh skip a few corners and sometimes you wouldn't see blood there i remember i remember there's blood in the film because patrick muldoon he's he when he's made his switch there's like dry blood under his nose and you know richard norton or cynthia rothrock are, are talking to Dazo, who's supposed to be that Dazo, possibly, and then Patrick Muldoon said, "But not exactly." And then you know he's there with his dry blood, and I I always remember that sequence because I'm like, oh, this this uh, it was actually a good good twist. Yeah, cool, uh, excellent, great choice. Uh, okay, now I'm, time for my number two. So I am going with the Street Fighter's Last Revenge. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I, gave, I, I knew a Street Fighter was going to be on there. I just didn't know which one. Yeah. So we we've talked about the Street Fighter before. Uh, they they all kind of the street. They all have hokey elements to them. Pretty much the first one played it a little more straight. Had some campy violence, but kind of the film itself, the narrative was a little more straightforward. Number two starts to blend the two camps of mm-hmm. 
campy and straightforward martial arts action and, you know, over the top characters and this and that. And then by the third one, they kind of go really campy, really. And they're going a completely different route in terms of the character of Terry Sarugi. In fact, it's actually like the the least violent of the three. Uh, there's still plenty of gratuitous violence, but he's much more of a James Bond style character, not the kind of honestly sociopathic anti-hero of the first two films. This one, he you know uses disguises, like really cheesy stuff. Uh, but the best part about this film is you still get a lot of great action. Uh, some of it a little more over the top, once again, some undercranking, this and that. But it's Sonny Chiba, who is, you know, one of my all-time heroes, as I've talked about many a time, one of my biggest influences in my personal martial arts journey, uh, especially before I got into competitive kickboxing and Muay Thai. Uh, but this film, that's the reason why it's a Kung Fu comfort one is because I can I can put on the other two anytime also. But this one, I can put on as background noise. And the best part is, since... Uh, Eureka released the remastered Blu-rays. They also released them with the original Japanese audio tracks, which had never been available. And two, this film, unlike the other two, was high... It's so funny. It was highly edited for the U.S. release, but not because they cut scenes out. They changed the order of scenes and redubbed it with a completely different plot. So... For, it's not one of those ones where you can switch back and forth between the English and Japanese or, you know, you know English and Cantonese, like with a Kung Fu movie, depending which one. It's two completely different movies. So even when I got it, I got to watch the Japanese uh, audio track version for the first time. And some of the, not plot inconsistencies, but kind of strange choices of the original English dub, now you get what was actually going on, what the actual plot was. But what blows my mind is, how they were able to do what they did in terms of not really cutting out any scenes, just putting them in a different order, redubbing it, and making a whole different plot. And both films are quite enjoyable. But it also, it explains, you get a little more backstory on certain characters, what's going on, you're like, oh. And so I, I think that's the kind of nice part of this film. I can put on either one. If I'm there to sit and actually just look at the screen, maybe I'll watch the Japanese version. If I'm walking around doing other things and then I want to turn and just watch the fight scenes, I can watch the uh, English excuse me, the English dub version, but either, or you're going to have a good time watching these films. It's Sunny Chiba. Also, Sushiomi has a bigger role in this one. She mm -hmm. was featured in the first one in a very small role, uh, but this one, she has a much more prevalent role uh, and she's always great. Once again, her character kind of completely changes between the dub versions of what her motivation is and who she is. But yeah, fun movie, great martial arts sequences if you like the the karate style from the 70s with Sunny Chiba or this would be a great one if like people like to play a drinking game or watch that kind of more hokey over the top thing with your buddies and have a good laugh you may i wouldn't take offense because this film is definitely much more of that style so yep my number 2 entry is the street fighters last revenge very nice okay <laughs> um no and you know one thing i will say about this podcast is it helped me look deeper into Sony Chiba's work. Mm -hmm. And it's, you know, we, 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 we have our, our different areas where we're strong in life or where we have knowledge in life. And that's one thing I really appreciate about working with AJ on this podcast. It's, it's, it's unveiling a whole new uh, area of films and there's Sony Chiba films. So uh, I, I love it when, uh, when we get to talk about them on the air. And, uh, <coughs> no, I, uh, we're going to have to put a disclaimer before the show. Yeah. Okay. Sorry about that. Uh, quick note. Should I hit mute when I'm going to cough? 
Uh, no, I don't think because then it does that popping sound. But yeah. anywho, uh, quick note: there's the new Sunny Chiba Blu-ray box set is coming out in like next week, and I believe it. It's also Eureka. I've already pre-ordered it. I pre-ordered it before even knowing what the movies were. They hadn't even released them. Now I've looked. Awesome. I'm super excited to finally get a good copy of Golgo 13, which I've never uh, even watched all the way through. I haven't seen that the whole yeah, way through either. Because all there that used to be available is this super scratchy version of it. Uh, not as terrible. It, it's hard to explain. Not terrible quality like a Kung Fu one, maybe, but super scratchy that you could barely see what was going on. But then also, I think two of the Masoyama biofilms. Oh, and Karate Warriors. So for the first time okay. ever, his version of Yojimbo. Uh, oh, and so that, I've that's never, a great box set. Yeah, so the, the, the uh, a clean version of that has never been released either. It's always been this strange formatted one that's too small for the screen. But anywho, I digress. Back to you, my friend. Pick your third entry. Okay, I got two classics that we've both talked about before. Uh, I'm going to go with the one that is definitely comfort because this other one might fall off, although it's also comfort. I'm going to go with the Karate Kid. Excellent choice. Uh yeah, I mean, r- real quick, not to cut you off, but the <clears throat> night before my fight, uh, the, my most recent one, you know, we had a kind of cheap motel in the area. It, it didn't, ha- and I didn't feel like I always bring my pre-fight movies, and I brought a Blu-ray player to hook up to my laptop. And I was like, ah, I don't want to go through the trouble, and you know, plus it's weird. I'd just be sitting there by myself watching it when I had my my teammate Quarterman with me. So we're just watching, we're just going through the channels. Sure enough, Karate Kid Part Three, and then Part One. Oh so, wow. Awesome kung fu comfort film. Go into it, my man. Yeah. So yeah, you know what? It's obviously it's one of the most perfect sports films. One of the most perfect uh, development films. I mean, you have you have you have one of the greatest directors, uh, John Avelson, who who helmed you know the greatest dramatic sports film, Rocky, in my opinion. Uh, you know, contest me if you'd like, but Karate Kid is right there. And there's a certain special feel to it. And like I said, uh, when I was redoing this list or kind of going deeper into this list over this past weekend, I was thinking, you know, I'm not feeling great. What do I want on that TV screen? What's going to make me feel better? What is my comfort food? Okay, so maybe it's chicken soup, some saltine crackers, and Karate Kid. Excellent. Yeah. You know, it. Well, please. I have to agree. It's just, and yes, obviously the fight scenes, uh, I mean, you could say don't stand the test of time, but I mean, it's just, it's just, it is what it is. But the film is just such a phenomenal film. It's such a, it's, it's, it itself is one of the greatest sports films ever made, especially because it focuses on what would be sport karate. Uh, once again, uh, Academy Award nominated performance by Pat Morita. It, you can never go wrong with the Karate Kid. It is one of those ones when it, I, I am somewhere with cable, like a hotel or you know my parents' house, and it is on. I will stop channel surfing and just watch it. it or even on Netflix. I believe it was a couple of weeks back. You know, we just needed to put something on while we were eating real quick, and I I think it was number two pops up on my Netflix. I'm like, boom. You know, absolutely. And yeah. number two, <clears throat> all three of them are comfort films. Right. But there's just something. You know, like I said, for this one, I wanted to go, what is like the ultimate comfort? And the soundtrack, the the cinematography, yeah. just there isn't an aspect about this where, okay, it's a regular Sunday morning, you're doing your chores, you have it on, you kind of look over, you enjoy it, or sitting down, or you're introducing someone to a martial arts film, or you're getting together with the family. This is a film that 
has a very wide audience, not because it tries to cast a wide net, but because it works and the story works, the performances work. And I don't know, it just, it's, it just feels good. I like it. Great choice. Uh, final notes on it or? No, no. I, I mean, th- these are films that we might talk about in the future. Oh, yeah, for sure. So, And if you haven't seen The Karate Kid before, please go out and watch it. Yeah, definitely, definitely worth the watch. Uh, I mean, especially if you watch Cobra Kai. I, I can only imagine there's probably so many people so into Cobra Kai that actually have never watched the original trilogy. Probably younger people, which is a darn shame. Do yourself a favor. Go watch the original film. Okay. Absolutely. My third entry is the 1997 Hong Kong martial arts. I guess you could say B-movie martial arts. I can't call it a classic, but it's a classic for me. Legend of the Wolf, a.k.a. The New Big Boss, starring and directed by Donnie Yen. So, uh, this is 1997. So, in the kind of mid to late 90s, Donnie, his career is, you know, He's now the like pretty much the biggest martial arts star on the planet, thanks to the Yip Man film starting in 2008. Uh, and and people sometimes I feel like incorrectly state that he wasn't a star before then, which would not be true. And not even just within the genre itself, he headlined big major films in Hong Kong, or he was the co-star. And yes, it, I think his filmography you see it it bounces around, right? Like you know he's picked as a young. 18, you know, 20 year old kid to start starring in these films, like something lower budget, like Drunken Tai Chi and then Mismatched Couples. Then he, you know, he bounces around in some film series, some TV movies, you know, headlines, films like In the Line of Duty 4, Tiger Cage 2, appears in the first Tiger Cage. Then he'll jump and do some low budget film, the Philippines or Thailand, such as like Crystal Hunt. And then he'll co-star in Once Upon a Time in China 2 as a villain where he's nominated for a Hong Kong Film Award. So, I mean, that's like big mainstream right there. You know, he'll jump back to another low budget one like Cheat on Fire. Then he's, you know, the main villain in, uh, was it New Dragon Inn, right? So his his career was like kind of a back and forth. You know, he'd headline a, a major TV series like uh, the Fist of Fury one. And so, but by this point, I feel like maybe that he was kind of frustrated with that, like the kind of the inconsistencies and felt he wanted to have more creative control. And so he was the star and directed uh, three films. One of them, uh, it's been a minute since I've watched it, but kind of just really isn't, doesn't even have that, you know, any sort of comfort elevance for me. And that would be Shanghai Affairs. It's just not a very consistent movie. Sorry. Uh, He did Ballistic Kiss, which I believe was the last one, which is a very kind of experimental art house martial arts action film, which has its moments and I think is worth a watch for people and is done, it has a lot of black and white and, because it's trying to be like an art house film and I can respect it and I do enjoy watching sometimes. Now, the new big boss, I feel like for genre fans or uh, Legend of the Wolf, it was released here as the new big boss, is the overall most fun kung fu movie of the three. Uh, Once again, I saw it on DVD when it came out. I want to say it was like 99 or 2000 because I've mentioned this before in the podcast. I definitely had a copy of it on DVD by the time I started high school in the spring of, or spring, a fall of 2001 because I remember trading it with some of my other friends in high school to, you know, kung fu movies uh, to watch. Uh, I remember, I, I think I mentioned this before, I traded it with my friend Thomas No uh, for his copy of Iron Monkey 2. And so, uh, but it was definitely earlier on one of the first Donnie Yen ones I, I got to see, and it is on Amazon Prime now. So I got to rewatch it, a pretty darn good version of it. 
uh, better even than I think the original DVD one I had. And it had been a minute since I watched it. And it just reminded me how back when I first got this DVD, I used to put it on all the time. Now, in full disclosure, I would fast forward to the fight scenes because the in-between stuff is kind of, you know, okay. And it is some like uh, extended hokiness and like cheesiness and melodrama and also some weird localized humor. But the fight scenes are, it just shows the creative ingenuity that Donnie Yen had and still has. And even with a limited budget, what he could put together action-wise is phenomenal. Now, does everything stand the test of time in terms of the fight scenes and action? No. Uh, but some of the stuff is just still so fun to watch and e and the, the creativity of how did they think of that? Even if I don't necessarily think it was the coolest thing, or I'm just like, that's still very creative when they thought of that. And then there's still a handful of fight scenes that are amazing in my opinion. All the action is great overall. So I think I kind of misspoke a second ago. I think all of it's great. There's just some really over the top extravagant, maybe, uh, stuff that happens within them where you're kind of like, okay, that's cool. You know, uh, the only one that disappoints a little is the actual finale between him and, uh, I think it's Ben Lamb. Uh, but all the rest of the, and that's just because it, it, I just wanted a little more out of it, but there's some absolutely phenomenal martial arts sequences in this movie. You could definitely, as I said, put it on, just let it play because the in-between melodrama stuff, once you've seen the movie once, you don't really necessarily need to watch again, but a definite Kung Fu comfort film. And I was reminded about this film just recently in terms of how much of a Kung Fu comfort film it is and how it used to be for me when I was in high school. And I was like, oh, I just want to see Donnie Yen kick some ass real quick before I go out and hang out with friends, put it on, fast forward to the fight scenes and then be on my merry way. And I can still do that to this day because they're awesome. So check this one out on Amazon Prime if you have it. Uh, I believe it's on there as the new big boss, but it's the original title was The Legend of the Wolf. It's been a very, <clears throat> a very long time since I've seen the film, but um, your quick recap of it makes me want to go back and rewatch it. Definitely, I, I think there's uh, there's a lot of hidden gems in the 90s of Donnie Yen's work mm -hmm. because he was, this was at the point where he was at a great peak of consistency as far as his action scenes were concerned and on the rise so aj saying that he was a star he already was a star yes but this is where he was climbing up that mountain to where he is today i mean and it's just uh uh i'm definitely gonna have to go go back and rewatch this because it has been a very long time since i've heard that title awesome all right my man your number four entry <clears throat> My number four is a former comfort film that re-entered my periphery about a month ago. Oh, so like- And I've kind of re-watched it a couple of times. Okay. So it's a Japanese film called Samurai Fiction. Okay. Uh, I, I know uh, it's sort of like an indie film shot in black and white. Okay. It, kind of, it, it uh, made in 1997, 1998. Uh, it essentially is a film- about a samurai who's very good, and so he steals a sword from a shogun or a warlord or magistrate who doesn't deserve the sword. Okay. And so then the magistrate's son says, well, he has no right to that sword, so I'm going to go get him. And the magistrate sends two of his friends with him. There's a lot of comedy. 
There's a lot of steady cam work. There's a lot of uh, long shots. There are there's this great samurai. There are these three samurai who, by the way, they're not that good, but you can tell that pretty early on. Mm -hmm. uh, there are two ninjas oh, yeah. uh, who assist along the way. There are a lot of other samurais who fall. Uh, samurais who challenge the good samurai. So we get some great action sequences. There are some wonderful comedy sequences, fantastic soundtrack, and just an overall real nice feel to this film. Um, I would highly recommend it. It's very hard to get your hands on, which is why there was like about a 12 to 15 year gap between when I had last, oh, about 12 year gap between when I had last watched it and a month ago. But it's just that perfect balance. It's almost like Mr. Vampire when it comes to that perfect balance of action, uh, story building, and comedy. Uh, but it's a lighter touch along the way. So it's not, it's not, they're not hopping vampires. There's not right. like very broad humor. It's very classic. Uh, probably that's one of the reasons why it was shot in black and white. Highly recommend the film. I believe you can find it not on YouTube, but on uh, Archive Films, which is a website that has uh, Archive Film. Uh, I, my understanding is legally, so you're not okay. illegally With streaming subtitles? films. With English subtitles. Okay, cool. So highly recommend the film. I, I wanted to, and of course it's nostalgic for me because it's a film that I can listen to. Uh, I do, you know, I will read the subtitles, but it's a film that I can walk away and listen to and feel like I'm kind of learning the language. And this is again, <clears throat> why I watched it a couple of times this last month is watch it the first time. Um, my eyes are glued to the screen and then I go back and uh, rewatch it so I can make sure my, my language ability is still there and kind of broadening at the same time. Uh, but highly recommend the film. Excellent. Perfect. Perfect choice. Uh, I love it. Okay. Uh, my number four entry is the incredible Kung Fu master, AKA they call me fat dragon. Uh, the 1979 Joe Chung directed Sammo Hung co-starring, but Really starring Stephen Tung Wai Kung Fu film. Now, I've talked about this one before, and I think I talked about it a few hey, weeks guys. ago. I'm still in here for a little longer. That's okay. Okay. Oh, um, we have a, a slight we have, uh, yeah. interruption. They need tutus. Yes. No, I, I. Can you edit that part out? Uh, probably not. So, anywho, okay. Uh, here we go. Back to my entry. Uh, normally I would have time to edit, folks, but I'm trying to. We're recording the day before it has to come out, and I don't have time to edit. Anywho, so. The Incredible Kung Fu Master, 1979 Kung Fu film, starring Stephen Tung Wai, one of his starring roles before he became one of the most prolific like action directors, fight choreographers, uh, but co-starring Sammo. Uh, I rewatched this again recently, and I think I may mention that on the podcast because what once again, one of my old Chinese German DVDs I had, I realized, hey, I can watch this now on my region-free Blu-ray player. Uh, this is maybe the first traditional kung fu movie I've ever watched. Uh, I've talked about that before, too. I, I can't exactly remember whether it was this one or, you know, the Jackie Chan box set uh, that I had. But this film is a phenomenal kung fu film beyond just being a comfort film. It is, if you want an introduction to the genre, you can watch this one. We've talked about how amazing Sammo Hung was as a co-star, especially with films he directed. Now, obviously, he isn't the listed director of this, but I can only imagine that he directed all the action. It is his stunt team. But premise of the film, it's pretty, you know, 
nothing uh, out there original. Pretty much Stephen Tung Wai plays Kung Fu Ching. That's his name because he's obsessed with Kung Fu, even though he doesn't do Kung Fu. He decides to learn from the two teachers in town who are now rival brothers because mm-hmm. they helped defeat the evil Lee Hoi Song, the actor Lee Hoi Song, at the beginning of the film. One of them does Wing Chun. One of them does pretty much kind of Hungar, or you know, they call it Five Star Fist. Uh, and after they defeat Lee Hoi San, he turns them against each other. So now they're rival schools. Stephen Tung Wai, uh, Kung Fu Ching, decides to learn from both of them, gets found out, gets kicked out. His now new friend, Samo, who's also a Kung Fu master, takes him under his tutelage to become his student. Uh, eventually, the brother of Lee Hoi San, played by the amazing Philip Ko Fei, hatches a plan to destroy the two masters. Kung Fu Ching saves the day, but not before Li Hoi San returns after having been gone learning the Llama Fist. So we get a great showdown. Great, amazing fight scenes throughout. Uh, Sammo gets plenty of screen time uh, and action. Stephen Tung Wai is just incredible. His flexibility, his uh, combination of kind of using Peking opera style with more grounded Southern Kung Fu turns out great. The supporting cast is just a who's who of martial arts films. Uh the, the now late Hoi Mong is in there. As we mentioned, may he rest in peace. Li Hoi San, Philip Ko Fei, uh, once again, Sammo, Stephen Tung Wai, and just lots more. You'll see him be like, oh, it's so-and-so. Oh, it's so-and-so. Oh, it's so-and-so. Uh, uh, Fat Chung or Chung Fat, you know, is in there. So just if that's an, it's another great one. If you need an introduction to the Kung Fu genre, this is a great traditional Kung Fu film. Uh, a little bit harder to get a hold of. I have a VHS copy of it. I'm really looking or hoping someone will do a Blu-ray release of this one. Just phenomenal fight sequences, great camera work, dynamic Samo tracking and traveling shots. Mm-hmm. Uh, and overall, I highly recommend it, especially if you want a film which is lots of great Kung Fu action. I could put this one on anytime. Once again, nostalgia factor being that it was one of the very first Kung Fu movies I ever saw. But that's what also makes it great is it definitely stands the test of time for me. It's not just one of those ones where it is only the nostalgia factor. It is just a very solid, amazing Kung Fu uh, film. And that's why it's number four on my entry. No, that, that that's fantastic. I'm glad we have a kind of a classic Kung Fu film on here. And I'm glad that it's Samo. It's a perfect transition. I'm also glad that it's a monster cast, uh-huh. uh, which is a perfect transition to the film that I've selected today for, as my final comfort okay. film, uh, Eastern Condors. Ooh, very uh, uh, comparable in that sense. Amazing yeah. cast, Samo Hung <clears throat> directed and starring. Uh, this one even more so in terms of the cast, but yes, please talk about Th- this. Well, this is... In many, it's really hard to say what what is the greatest Samo film because there are there are many, right? There are truly many. But when did he get a cast that was also everybody almost seemed to be right in their prime with their acting with their acting caliber or their ability to do action on screen? Uh, this this is this is a championship film. Uh, Eastern Condors. It's got everything. It's got Samo. It's got Cora Yoon. It's got Yoon Yoon Wah. Yoon Biao. It's got Dr. Hangus Noor. It's Academy got Academy Award winner, Dr. Yes. Hangus Noor. It's got uh I could I mean, literally we could go on. Every single person in the film is obviously everybody's somebody, but everybody in this film is somebody. Oh yeah. Uh fantastic film. Love the soundtrack, love the premise. Uh Asian Americans in prison in America, at least one of the versions. Uh, has them as Asian Americans going back to Vietnam so they can go to on the other side of the border and recover or destroy 
uh, American weapon stockpile that was left behind. Meanwhile, uh, they're being tracked by the Vietnamese army to get that stockpile. Uh, great action sequences. Uh, I mean, really, just fantastic action sequences. And then the finale in the, the warehouse. So this is a film that you could set your whole day around. You could plan to go to a movie theater and watch it, make sure nothing will get in the way of you getting to that movie theater. Or you could pop it in, DVD, Blu-ray, streaming, VHS, and have it on. And if you have to do other things, you can look away, look back. You're not you're going to see every moment that you happen to look back, no matter what moment you look back at the screen, is going to be excellent. Fan- fantastic choice. And when you come up to visit during the holidays, maybe this is one of the ones we'll put on, man. It's... Oh, so good. And I have the, the, I think Eureka did that one. I have the Blu-ray of it. Oh, it looks so good. Uh, okay. Excellent final choice for you, my friend. Couldn't agree more. Now for me, my final choice, and I usually try to throw a martial arts documentary in there because, uh, I just love to watch them, but my final entry is the Kyokushin Karate documentary, the Strongest Karate, a.k.a. Fighting Black Kings, as it was released in America, mostly because the mm. American team consisted of three African-American fighters. But this film, Fighting Black Kings, is a documentary about the very first World Kyokushin Karate Championship, the open tournament where they invited delegates from all over the world to compete. Uh, and Masoyama famously said, if someone from Japan did not win, then he would commit seppuku, <laughs> ritual suicide. Luckily for him, a Japanese fighter did win overall the whole tournament but it's just an incredible documentary it's made i believe by the same people that did budo the art of killing another one i featured on my kung fu cumber film Mm -hmm. list it's got that 70s documentary style a la budo which was technically 1980 or you know pumping iron there was just something different about documentaries back then uh the fact that they were shot on film makes a difference. The narration style, because even still, like when you watch like their kind of mini documentaries, like before a UFC event where they do like the 30 minute kind of docu-series on the upcoming card, there's nothing wrong with them. They're great. They're well-produced. You know, they're, they get back information, background information. But I think there's something missing in terms of the, they're very modern where they don't have that classic feel. Documentaries from that time, whether they were, this one seems to be kind of an international production, but they have that quote unquote, like classic Hollywood cinema feel or classic filmmaking style shot on film. Uh, and th- this documentary, it's great because it follows teams from all over the world. So there's sequences where they're focusing on the Japanese team. There's a lot where they focus on the American team. Obviously they focus on uh, some of the fighters from, for example, one from England. They focus on the team from Hong Kong a bit, uh, mostly just to show how badly they get beaten. Unfortunately, Uh, you know, delegates from Singapore, from uh, Thailand, they go and shoot the, the Thai fighters that are participating in this tournament. Just lots of great, obviously, real-life martial arts action. You see how ahead of its time Kyokushin was. I mean, this is full-contact, bare-knuckle, knockout karate, for lack of a better term. Uh, you get to see some great exponents of it. Uh, some of these gentlemen would become very famous in the world of martial arts and Kyokushin and Karate. You do get to see Masoyama a little bit in the very beginning and very end, I think. Uh, so yeah, just uh, a great documentary on karate, a great document sports documentary <clears throat> where you're watching real life sports action going on. A lot of great martial arts action, real life 
action, but it's almost like watching fight scenes. You get a ton of great dynamic, you know, kind of style versus style. Most of the time it's Kyokushin versus Kyokushin, but then you have some uh, delegates like the Thai guys that are using Muay Thai. Obviously they can't punch the face, but uh, yeah, just overall a great, great film. You can purchase it through Amazon Prime. Uh, I have, and that's why it's one of those ones I can just put on anytime when I just need a filler. I'm like, you know what? Boom, fighting Black Kings. I'm going to put it on, going to watch it for a bit, going to enjoy it. Jessica has probably watched it more times or has seen bits of it more times than she'd care uh, to. But yeah, that's my final no, that entry. Fighting Black Kings, a.k.a. The Strongest Karate, the documentary on the first World Open Kyokushin Karate Championships. Great selection. Thank Great you. selection. And, and you know, you're right about the, the way documentaries were shot at that time, as opposed to the way doc documentaries are shot now i feel like nowadays they're more they're more narrative news sensationalism whereas, too it's yeah very and, much, yeah and back then it was more educational or uh exploratory and perfect, perfect, you get yeah. it with this kind of cinematography as well you get like the tight the tight cinematography with the film where they actually don't know where things are happening and you're, you you it's like you're in the room with them you're you you can you can see the you can see and feel the sweat. It's fantastic film. Highly recommend that documentary. Great, great list. Great list for you too, my friend. All right, we got to get going because I got to get ready for work. Yeah, uh, we're right. I got two twos so that got to get out of this room. I guess. Yeah, they need two twos. Anywho, this has been great. Talk. I to got you a soon, word for you if you want. Oh yeah, go for real it. quick. Re okay. Language corner. Go. Yeah, language corner. Bui cinema. Bui cinema. Which is V cinema. So letter V cinema. So in Japan, the straight to video oh. format, right? Like over here, it's STV, straight to streaming, straight to video. Over there, it was elevated to V cinema. So video cinema. Bui cinema. Bui cinema. There you go. Bui cinema. I love it. All right, my friend. I do too. We'll talk later. Okay. See ya. All right. Peace. Bye.